Isn't that good? You're forgiven, church. Amen. Hey, it ends well for us, just so you know. Amen. It ends well. Well, thank you so much for joining in this morning. You guys sounded great. Um, you can have a seat. Amen. Such a good day. Anybody, anybody cold yet? Yeah, first service. In a month, you'll be wishing it was 17 degrees. Amen. It'll be that cold. So uh, if you're from a warmer state, welcome to Idaho. This is pretty normal. And uh, it's one thing I love about it. I love the different seasons. Amen. And that's what we've been talking about in our messages is the seasons in life. And, and today we're going to talk about discouragement, like going through discouragement. How do you deal with that? And it's something, again, I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, we, we call them the holidays, but typically the word holiday connotates like a good thing. But the holidays sometimes isn't always fun. Um, and so we're going we're to talk about how to navigate those times, and it's going to be a good message today. So, all right, Pastor John, good job with worship today. Thank you. Guys thank you, and gals. Thank you. Thanks for singing, church. It's awesome to be part of this church. I've been to some where they don't sing. It's not as fun. So thanks for being here. Uh, uh, generally, we would pass our buckets around. I say generally, it's been like eight months since we passed the buckets around, so this is the new normal, I guess. But if you'd like to give in the offering, there's some ways on the screen. Uh, if you brought something with you today, check, cash, whatever, you can drop it, drop it in the uh, black box on the way out. We'll make sure and grab it after church. It'll get where it needs to go. You can also do PayPal, text to give. All that stuff is on the screen. And also on the website, if you go to our website, changelifechurch.com, hit the give tab. It'll take you right where you need to go. You'll see all that information there. If you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here today. Thanks for joining us on this winter day. Uh, we'd love to give you one of these Change Life Church coffee mugs. Meet us at the back under the information sign. We'll hand you one. No strings attached. We're just grateful you're here today. If you'd like to, if you'd like more information about our church, you can fill out this little tear up in your bulletin. You don't have to to get the cup. Like I said, no strings attached. Reverse side of that. Well, that thing does not want to unfold. Uh, there's a prayer and praise form. You can tear that thing off. Write a need on there. Again, drop it in that box on the way out. You can email it to us or text it to us, that, those addresses that are on there. And we will uh, make sure and pray for you tomorrow during staff meeting. And we'll believe God's move and we'll celebrate when he answers a prayer. Amen? Amen. Hey, we have all sorts of stuff going on. We're doing our best to move forward in this uh, unique time we're facing. We have our giving tree going. You see that little Christmas tree in the back? A bunch of you nominated people. Uh, they're less fortunate, maybe need some help this Christmas. So we encourage you now as a church family, grab the tags off of the, that tree. As a family, maybe go shop for those gifts and bring them back here by the prescribed date. Uh, there's a clipboard back there. If you wouldn't mind writing your name down and the number of tags you took, so that way we know uh, who to get a hold of when the day gets close. Thank you for being a part of that. We always have more people that want to be generous than we do need. So thank you for just being that type of church. We have some cool stuff going on in our women's ministry. We have our Plugged In Moms group. They're meeting at Jabbers, which is a place where your kids play around. Pastor Shannon wasn't sure where that is, but your kids can play around there. Moms can hang out. Uh, that's happening this Tuesday, and then they'll take a break for the rest of December, I believe. But you can see the uh, contact information there. It's also not in your bulletin, but we are doing a women's ministry, Inspired Women's Ministry Gala. So uh, if you want to be a part of sponsoring a table, if you want to come to that thing, you can see the information on the screen there, January 9th, 2021. It's going to be awesome. So just stick that on your calendar. We'll get you more information as the day gets close. Finally, Christmas Eve service, Thursday, December 24th, 6 p.m. It is going to be awesome. We're so excited. If you have family in town, please bring them that night. It'll be an hour or less. Uh, we'll sing some Christmas songs. Pastor Stan will bring a Christmas message. It is an awesome, awesome thing. So please come be a part of it. Bring your families with you that night, and we will celebrate what Christmas means together. It's a good day to be at church, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I thought Jabbers was funny for a women's thing, like Jabbers, Jabber, Jabber Jaws. Uh, well, I mean, 
See, a woman said, wow, that just proves my point, right? Um, now I'm in trouble at the very beginning of the message. And uh, no, not, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Um, all right, kids, you guys can be dismissed. First through sixth grade, Mr. Lou, will meet you right back there. And I uh, hope you brought your Bibles with you today because, you know, electronic devices could die. Um, so I, I like a hard copy just in case because it doesn't change anything. But if you have a Bible, uh, open it up, whether it's on your phone or iPad or hard copy. And we even have some up on the, on the screen um, but I love the Word of God, and um, if you don't mind, I just want to teach today. Um, not in a preachy mood, is that okay? Like I'm just, oh wow, that's the best thing. That, that's better than any amen I got for service. Um, but uh, I want to talk today about understanding seasons in life. And again, we've been going through this uh, series called Seasons, and that life is full of seasons. Um, we're feeling some now. Again, I love Idaho because it can be you know 110 degrees, and then it can be 30 degrees below zero. Um, you know, at its extremes, and it's such a different, but I like that uh, because I like to ride dirt bikes and hike in the summer, and then I like the snowmobile in the winter, amen, and hunt in between, and it's just, I love the seasons here. Uh, but if you live life as if we don't have seasons, you're going to be discouraged a lot. And one of the things that we deal with a lot during the holiday times is, is discouragement, that people have had maybe some bad memories or things that have gone wrong. And so the holidays actually are kind of like bummer days. It, it, it reminds you of what you don't have or maybe what you did lose. Um, and Elijah, as we're going through his life, he goes through this time of discouragement, and I love how God responds to him. Um, and the subtitle, I guess, could be Elijah gets emotional because <laughs> he's a pretty emotional guy, and he gets he gets he's a little emo, if we can say that this day and age. Um, he has highs and lows, and so I want to recap. We're going to skip a couple kind of key stories because we're starting a new series next week, more Christmassy. Um, and I, I really wanted to, to talk about the stories before this, so maybe we'll get to it um, in the new year. But I want to talk about what happens to him after he has some some big victories in life. And so here, a little recap is what he does. Elijah is the prophet of God. He tells Ahab there's going to be this drought. Why? Because Israel has been disobedient, and so God's going to punish the, the kingdom around with a drought. And so he, he goes and hides in the ravine, and he's fed by ravens. He drinks from the brook. The brook dries up. He goes to, to Zarephath, and there's a widow that needs him. Uh, there, some things happen. He ends up providing for them food, and then her son dies, and he raises the son from the dead. Uh, that's where we ended last week. Well, a couple things that happened in between the events we're about to read uh, is he meets a man named Obadiah. Obadiah works in the palace. He works for Jezebel. Jezebel is the wicked, wicked king. I guess you could say wicked witch of, would it be the East, Rick? Or I don't know where that's at. Uh, and very evil one, but he, he, he works, he runs her palace, but he's a believer. And he's hiding these prophets of God. Um, and she's out killing the prophets of God. And he hides a hundred of them in these caves. And he feeds them and he takes care of them. Proving that you can serve God in a wicked country. You can still do the right thing. And then um, he, he confronts Ahab. And he's going to bring some rain. And Ahab blames Elijah for the problems. Isn't it amazing how an evil king can blame the believer for problems? We don't see that happen in our world today at all. Right? It seems like the Christian seems like it's a problem. And so Elijah, he says, okay, everybody gather together. And then he asked the Israelites this question. And in chapter 18, verse 20, he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, the God of the day, if he's God, follow him. It says, but the people said nothing. And, and I have that highlighted and read in my Bible because when, when you don't speak up for what you believe in, evil typically prevails. 
And that's why it's important in today's days for Christians to really stand up and not be jerks, but be honest. To say, this is what we believe, this is why we believe it, um, this is my faith, and I'm going to be bold in my faith. And so, to prove that God was God, again, I encourage you to go back and read uh, chapters uh, 18, 17 and 18. Um, he's saying, okay, we're going to have this contest. So you bring all the prophets of Baal and share. there's about 950 bad prophets. He said, you bring them to this mountain, and, and we're going to build altars, and whoever's God answers by fire, he's the true God. And so they're like, okay, we'll do it. Well, they, they go all day long shouting and screaming, trying to call fire down from heaven, and nothing happens, and Elijah's taunting them. You got to read it. It's pretty funny, because he's just taunting them, like, oh, he's in the bathroom. Uh, he's just saying all these things. And, and at the end, end of the time, he builds, rebuilds the altar of God, calls down fire from heaven, and it consumes the sacrifice. And then he says, kill him. So he has the Israelites kill all the bad prophets, all the evil prophets. Um, there was no grace. It was just get rid of it, kill him. Um, Old Testament's a little intense, right? It, but they dealt with it, okay? They dealt with it. Well, he gets this big victory, fire from heaven, and the people are like, God is God, and everything's great until... Verse, or chapter 19 is where we start. It says, Now Ahab, Jezebel's husband, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And, and, and today's version is I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. And, and Elijah's like, Bring it on, Jezebel. Bring it on. I'm going to call fire down from heaven. Didn't you see what I just did to your prophets? I kill him. No, well, he, he's, he's like, ah. Now, there is this innate fear that every man has of a woman. Like, this deep inside, there's this little fear that I could, you know, it, it's like some women have their finger on the nuke button, and you just don't know when she's going to push it, but you know that if you push her enough, she probably will. And, and somehow, Elijah has this fear of Jezebel. And I'm like, why? You just call fire from heaven. You just killed 950 of her prophets. You just saw miracles. You just raised a little boy from the dead. And, and you're scared when this woman says, I'm going to come and kill you by tomorrow. And he, and he was so afraid that he ran. And he gets this emotional discouragement. And he's actually running away from this woman that just says, I'm going to kill you. So he, he runs for his life. And God has to deal with it. So let's read chapter 19, verse 1 through 9. It says, uh, verse three, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left a servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and he fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. And he ate and he drank, and he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went to a cave and he spent the night. Now this Mount Horeb was Mount Sinai. It was where uh, Moses was given the Ten Commandments. All right. So it's an interesting thing that God never told him to go there, but in his heart, he knew that's where I need to go. I need to go to the mountain of God. I need to go where Moses heard the Ten Commandments. He heard he spent time with God. He heard God's voice. I need to go there. 
And that's how I view like a church family. It's like there's days where you're like, I just need to go to church. I just need to worship with my family. I need to hear a word. I need to be encouraged. Okay? But you need to know where to go. And there's also times you need to go to the cave. Okay? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So verse one through five, we see some discouragement. And I want to start off with a statement. Is discouragement doesn't make you unspiritual. It makes you human. Okay, we, we get discouraged. It's an emotion that we face. Um, and the bigger the tragedy, the longer it will take to heal. Just like a little scratch or a broken bone, okay? Same thing with discouragement. Some, some of you have gone through some tremendously hard, hard things. And that's going to take a little longer uh, to get through, okay? And maybe never you get completely over it, you'll heal. But there might be scars that are still there. But God will get you through it, I promise. Okay, I promise you that. And Elijah has his broom tree experience. He's like, I've had enough. I'm done. I'm done. If you've raised children or raising children, right, you know exactly what he's feeling. It's those moments of I am exhausted. I am tired of playing the cop. I'm tired of playing the nurse or the doctor. I'm tired of playing the arbitrator between you. Will you guys just shut up? Right? I'm just done. And so you go hide in your bathroom. Right? That's sometimes that's the only quiet place. And we have like three locks to get to our bathroom. So it's like we, we intentionally built our house the way that we did, that there's three fortresses you got to get through to get to the bathroom. But you know, children also, they're very smart and they know where the butter knives are and they know how to twist the lock, right? They, they just, they have that in them. But we've all had these moments and I believe that right here, his emotion was the product of exhaustion. He just went through a really hard time, okay? He went through like emotionally high where he calls fire from heaven, boom, has a prophet's kill and he's like, yeah! And then all of a sudden, Jezebel's like, I'm gonna kill you. He's like, no. Like super high emotion and now it's super low emotion. So the fact is, is we're gonna have our emotional moments. The question is, whether, the question we have to answer is whether or not we're gonna stay there. Whether or not we're gonna stay there. See, well-meaning people, I used to do this in my marriage. I, I, I'd be like, well, you shouldn't, should, I feel like this. I said, well, you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> well, I, well, I do, so shut up, all right? You ever said this? Well, you shouldn't feel that way. You're trying to dictate what somebody's emotions are. That's impossible. The fact is, is you do feel that way, and I'm sorry you feel that way. And if I've caused you to feel that way, then I'm going to do what I can to not make you feel that way anymore. But when we start trying to dictate somebody else's emotions, we we'll say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Okay? It's, very, it's very insensitive. Okay, I mean, we still do it, but we have to catch ourselves to go, okay, am I causing somebody to feel like I don't care? Okay, empathy is a big deal. So you're going to get stuck in disappointment. You will. You get stuck, whether it's for a short period of time or a long period of time. The question is, is are you going to choose to stay there or are you going to find a way out? Are you going to find a way out? You're all facing stuff, and I'm not making light of your situation, but I don't want you to stay stuck. That's why this is a teaching. Like, okay, how do we, how do we get out of these times? Um, emotion, I've said this for years, emotion is gonna fly the plane. We simply have to decide how long we will let it be the pilot. Okay, because it will take us in the wrong direction. Emotion will often steer you in the wrong direction. Okay, you met last week, you're getting married this week. <laughs> That's emotion, all right? That's emotion. Unless you're on a deserted island, you still gotta be careful, right? Uh, because emotion will often steer you in the wrong direction. I can be driving down Meridian Road, everything's great, listening to worship music, and somebody can cut me off, and instantly my emotions change. You know, you, you go from bless the Lord of my soul to I wanna run you off the road right now. And, and, and I, you know, I might get a little Old Testament on you, <laughs> just kill them, right? Just, just, just do the Old Testament things, you know? Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, fender for fender. You know, that's... that's that's why you put a big bumper on your truck. Um, all right. But those things will get your emotions. Things happen usually in an instant that things are fine and then, then it's not. 
And that's where Elijah's at right now. Any relationship built on emotion will be a very unstable relationship. That's why a lot of marriages, they, they're over quickly because they, they get this relationship that's, that's like new and fresh and everything's great. Emotions there, they love each other. They, they don't see the, the flaws. They don't see the baggage. Uh, all they see is the good stuff. And then when the emotion wanes a little bit, they start seeing reality. And that's where the relationship actually starts. And some people will jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. Why? Because the emotion dies and they're like, well, love died. You get it. Love is not defined the way the world defines love. Amen. There's, that's a lot different uh, than what, how the world defines it. But our relationship is built on emotion. We're very unstable. That's why we can't have this emotional relationship with God. We can't just serve God when it feels right or when it feels good or when we feel his presence. We have to serve God when we can't feel his presence. We have to serve God when we don't hear his voice. We have to serve God when we're not sure what he's doing in the world, but we know from his word that he's got the world. And you can't, you can't base, I mean, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, so I love the Pentecostal goosebumps, I do. I've been in revivals that, man, are amazing, and I've also been pushed over by fake evangelists. Okay, I've, I've been slain in the spirit more than once, like where I hit the ground and I had zero control. I'm a very hard-headed person, so when it was the power of God, and boom, I hit the ground, I knew it had to be God. Another guy, he just rocked me back and forth and pushed me over, and I almost jumped up and said, dude, you're a fake, but I thought I'd show him respect in that. So I have been zapped by the power of the Holy Spirit, but I can't live my life every day waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to give me the good feeling so I'll keep serving him. I have to serve him even when it's hard, even when I don't feel. In your marriage, it's the same way. If it's run on emotion, am I preaching? I feel like I'm preaching, right? <laughs> Told you I wasn't going to. If we run it on emotion, it's gonna be very unstable, okay? And, and my, my marriage is based on a commitment, not a feeling. Now, the feelings are fun. Okay, they are. And when you stay really committed, the feelings get better, right? Marriage, it improves um, as you get older. Um, we're at, at 28 years, I think is what it is. Um, yeah, something in that area. And, and to me, it just gets better. All right. So the mindset, okay, of an, of an overcomer is a huge determining factor as to whether or not you will make it. One thing I notice about Facebook or social media is emotion gets attention, Emotion, you throw emotion out there, like, worst day ever. I'm like, you haven't been to a foreign country. Probably not worst day ever, all right? What happened? I didn't get my parking spot at Costco. Um, you know, worst day ever may be that you were out of toilet paper and you didn't have any. Okay, if that's your worst day ever, you wouldn't have made it on the Pioneer Trail. Okay, think about that. Like 100 years ago, they're traveling across. Nobody thinks they didn't have running water on those, those schooners, Okay. Right? And where do you go when you're in Idaho? <laughs> there might be a bush this high, all right? So there's, you gotta think about those types of things that we really have it good in America. We really do. We really do. Okay, we need to be thankful for that. So when doubt creeps in, faith has to push it out. God has not failed you and he never will. Uh, if you keep telling yourself that you're not gonna get over it, you'll probably be right. I've had a lot of people say, well, I just can't get over it. No, it's not that you can, it's that you won't. You can get over pretty much anything that you're facing, but you have to be determined that you're going to. I, I, I don't like what people say, well, I just can't do that. No, you, tell me you, that you'll do your best. Right? I like it when people say, well, that can't be done. Brian, he's like me. Man. He's like, no, no, no. You tell me it can't be done, we're going to make it happen. Like, you can't jump that triple jump when you're 50 years old. Oh, you want to bet? You're right, I can't, and I won't. Actually, I might be able to. I don't know if I can land it, but I could jump it. But after you have enough surgery, you're like, it's just not worth it, right? Maturity has a way of, of teaching you things, what you can and cannot attempt, all right? 
See, if you keep telling yourself again, you're not going to go over it, you're probably right. And so here's the symptom of discouragement. Here's where he's at in verses five through nine. And I love this. Okay? He, he's, he's, he's just exhausted. He's like, I, I, pray, I just, just want to die, Lord. I've had enough. I've had enough. Take my life. And isn't it ironic that the very thing he's trying to escape is the very thing he wants God to do for him? It's like he's running. Why? Because he's afraid to die. And now he's telling God, I want you to kill me. I don't want Jesse to kill me. I want you to kill me, Lord. What he was really saying was, I want you to take me out of this life in a chariot of fire, which eventually happens with Elijah, right? And, and he just gets taken out. He actually doesn't experience death. Chariot comes down and takes him away. That would be pretty cool, right? Be like, so long, earth. Yeah, we'll see you later. Um, I'd be throwing candy to everybody on the way out. All right. But that would be a cool thing to do. Like Elijah, he just went out in a chariot of fire, but there's only been two people that haven't been killed on this earth, right? And you probably won't be one of them. So you can't pray that way. God is going to take you out when I believe he's ready to take us out. How and when, we don't know. We just gotta live like he's coming tomorrow, okay? Or coming today, but plan like he's gonna be around tomorrow. We, we just have to always be ready spiritually. But Elijah's at the point where he's just ready to go. He's like, I am done. Take my life. I'm no better. My ancestors just, just take me. And God understands. And what's God do? He sends this angel. First he sent ravens. Then he sent a widow. Now he sends an angel. I mean, it's getting better and better. He gets served by a raven, then a widow. Now an angel's giving him food. And the angel's like, I don't know how it happened. It says they woke him up. I'm thinking the angel went, hey. Because <laughs> if I was the angel, I'd be kicking him. Like, hey, hey, I got some food. So he's discouraged, he's sleeping, and what does God do? God says, you have an immediate need, and it's not your attitude, you just need food. See, hangry isn't something that we invented as Americans. Elijah had it. And, and, and God here isn't going, why are you discouraged? He, he says, no, you need food. So I'm giving you permission. If you're discouraged, you just go get whatever the heck you want to eat and eat it. It doesn't have to be healthy. It doesn't have to be carrots or celery. It can be Krispy Kremes. If you need it, eat it. Oh, that's a good theme that will get me in trouble. Um, but I like it. Pastor Steve, you've been making a sermon out of that. If you need it, eat it, right? And so he gives them bread. He gives them water. I don't know what the bread was like. I don't know if it was good bread or if it was bland bread. Either way, he says, wake up, eat it. Okay, you need to eat it. And, and go, to, go drink, eat, sleep again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. Don't know how long he slept. He touched him this time. Maybe God's like, don't kick him. Okay, he's going through something. Quit kicking him, just touch him. And he's like, okay, Lord, I don't know. I just, I have to believe that there's more of that stuff that goes on in heaven than holiness. Like, I mean, I think there's, there's gotta be communication here. Uh, we're made in God's image, so I think God just sends angels to do that kind of stuff. The angel touches him, and he says, hey, get up and eat again. Um, so like middle of the night, who got up last night? Just you may be willing to honest, you just got up and ate last night just because you wanted to. All right, good. You got a couple last night. My grandma, before she went to be with Jesus, she was on um, Ambien. And she, she got up and she'd get up in the morning and there would be food on the table. She's like, somebody's sneaking into my house making food. Like she seriously thought uh, that somebody was leaving the peanut butter out. And just, so she was making these meals and um, if peanut butter and jelly is a meal, for some of you it might be. Um, but she didn't have any recollection of it. But she thought somebody was actually sneaking into her house. All right, when she was actually being biblical and didn't know it. Uh, so he gives him food. He meets the immediate need right there. Why, why did he meet the immediate need first? Because you can't reason with emotion. You can't. Emotional people really aren't reasonable people. 
I know you've probably never experienced that in your marriages, but it happens in other churches. It does. The, the emotion, you can't reason with emotion, so you meet the need as to say, okay, why are they emotional? And God, he's smart. He knows that Elijah is exhausted and hungry, and he feeds that thing first. Then he can reason with him. And then God asks him this question. All right, so he goes, he, he's strengthened by the food. He goes 40 days and 40 nights and reaches Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave to spend the night. And then the word of the Lord came to him, asked him a question. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, do you think God is really wondering what Elijah is doing there? Elijah knows, or God knows exactly what Elijah is doing, but God wants Elijah to confront his own reasoning as for being there. And he asks him that question, okay? It's not that God doesn't know. He just wants Elijah to talk it out with him. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? At this point, how you got there is somewhat irrelevant. How you got there is somewhat, you ever been stuck in the snow or been in a spot that you didn't really want to be in and you can, you can say, okay, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? Well, how, you know, when you're upside down on a snowmobile and it's on top of you leaking gas, the how doesn't really matter. It's, it's, I need you to get this off of me, okay? And, and for me as a dad, the how is really important to me. Scott's like, they get hurt. You're like, well, how'd that happen? You're like, they're bleeding out. And you're going, how'd that happen? They're <laughs> like, I did. All right. Well, when you should first deal with the injury and then talk about the how. But I kind of want to know how that took place. Like, I'm, I'm always looking at, you know, skid marks and seeing, okay, what did they do here? How'd they hit the guys? All that. And, and just to kind of figure out how it happened. But it's a bad tendency when you're so focused on the how you don't end up dealing with the what do I need to do now. So how did I get here is important so you don't do it again. But we need to focus on like the what. And that's what God asked him. What are you doing here? Okay, what is the reason that you're here today? And Elijah has this answer in verse 10. Okay, he's, again, he's pretty discouraged. And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected uh, your covenant. They've broken your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So he's scared from Jezebel, but he's asking God to take his life. He's just emotional. He's just going through something. He's just talking it out. And the Lord said, well, go out, stand on the mountain um, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And I think he went to like the mouth of the cave because of what happens. I think he was sheltered from it. So he's looking out. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, and it was probably something like, Elijah. Elijah heard it, he pulls his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave, and the voice again said to him, what are you doing here? Elijah, let's talk about this for, for a moment. It appears that Elijah's main concern was other people's behaviors, in other words, that was his source of disappointment. It, it really bothers him that the Israelites, those he led, weren't serving God the way that he thought they should serve him. And he felt like he was the only one trying. Now, let's talk about how this applies to us today. Does that sound like marriage sometimes? That maybe you feel like you're the only one that's making the effort and you're doing the best that you know how to do and you're not getting anything back. And it's just, it can be so frustrating in any relationship that it's just like one way 
you, you feel that way emotion. Now, honestly, it's probably not that way. It's just that you feel that it's that way. Because I don't really know of any spouses that get up in the morning and say, boy, I sure want to make their life crazy today. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get them. I'm going to, man, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to get them. I don't know anybody that does that, like that intentionally says, I just want to be the annoying wife today. I don't want to be the annoying husband today. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to be the annoying parent. Actually, sometimes I am that on purpose, but, um, but I can't be because I'm the parent. All right. We have these emotions and, and, and other people's behaviors get to us. Elijah's like, I'm doing what's right and they're trying to kill me. He's discouraged and he's alone. And we're all guilty of putting our, the remote of our emotions into the hands of other people. We, we can let people control us by we, we give them the remote and they're pushing the buttons because they know where the buttons are. Now, sometimes we have to understand that we're responsible to own our own emotions instead of let other people control them. It's hard Okay, but it's necessary. See, other people's bad behavior should bother you, but not control you. And that's why in our world right now, with what we're facing with everything, we see a lot of things, a lot of decisions being made that we're like, what? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I can't, I can't base my walk with God and my faith on somebody else's decisions. See, I have to look at God's word and say, okay, you know, I'm going to do what's right according to the word of God, not what, you know, any authorities tell me, okay? Because there's a point, there's a line that if, it's, if, if whatever they tell you goes against God's word, you have a right to civilly disobey, respectfully, okay? To say, I can't do that, can't do that. It goes against my religion. It goes against what, what God has told me to do. And so um, others' bad behavior, again, should bother you but not control you. Again, easier said than done, easier to preach than to live. And God lets him answer, and that's what I love about God. It says, okay, what are you doing here in verse 11 through 13? God just lets him answer. He says, just, just tell me what you're feeling. It's kind of like a pressure relief valve on, a, on a, a water tank. You know, a water tank in your garage, it has a pressure relief valve. Why? Because if that thing gets too hot and the pressure has nowhere to go, what will it do? It will explode. And if that happens in your home and you're not injured, send me the video because I really want to see it because it would be pretty cool. But I've heard houses getting blown up by water heaters that just explode. Well, in our lives, Elijah is just venting here. There's a difference between venting and complaining. Not much of one, but there is one, right? It's sometimes when people are complaining or you look at it as complaining, they're actually just venting. They just need to be heard. They just need somebody to say, you know what? Just tell me what you're feeling. Just tell me. And it, half the stuff I say when I'm venting may not even be true. But it's just like, I just need to say it. This is how I'm feeling. And then you're like, okay, I feel pretty good now. And that's what a pressure release valve does. It's made so that it won't explode. So when you vent here, 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 it keeps the pressure from building way up. And in our relationships, in our marriages, we need to be able to vent to our spouses, especially in a safe place. And, and there's times that you have to let your spouse just vent to say, you know what, just, just talk to me, right? You just need somebody to talk, just talk to me. Half the stuff you say is probably gonna be crazy. And I'm not gonna try to fix you, which is very difficult for a man. Okay, because we're fixers. It's like, well, this is what you need to do. You do this. But see, God doesn't fix him. And that's, that's the beauty of the story is God just lets him vent. And then he tells him, okay, you, you good? You done? Okay, because I have something else for you. So get your vent. God not one time like rebukes him for his emotions. I love that because that's grace and that's mercy. He does ask him what he's doing here, but God lets him answer. And then he tells him, okay, go out and I'm about to do some stuff and I'm gonna show you this. So here's what we do. We often look for God in the miraculous. We look for God in the fire. We look for God in the earthquake. We look for the God in this big, big, just way. 
And God can do that, and he does at times, but more often than not, he just whispers to us. He just whispers. The problem is that we're often too busy to hear it. When we're looking for this massive sign, we're looking for an earthquake, we're like, God, just make it rumble. God says, no, I just, matter of fact, I probably already talked to you about it in the word. I just want to whisper. And we get so busy in life when we have noise all the time. Isn't, isn't life always noisy? I mean, it's just, it's just like constant noise. And I don't think that's the way God intended it because God did not invent electronics like we did. A lot of people always want to listen to something. And I'm telling you that, that there's moments, you know, my, my music, I mean, what I love listening to is just is praise and worship. I don't listen to like entertaining Christian music. I don't listen. I just, that's, that's just for me personally. I just, if, it's not, if it's not worship, I usually don't even turn it on. But even in those times, I turn off the worship to hear God's voice because I can even get too busy and too much noise listening to the right things that I don't hear the real right things. And I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear the whisper. I don't want God to have to yell to get my attention. I want God to be able to say, stand. Yes, yes, Lord, to be able to hear him. And we need to do better, church, at turning off the noise. We need to do better at shutting things off, shutting social media, whatever it is that's feeding you. Because again, what you feed on is what you will reflect. And just to have that quiet time with God. And I think the cave thing is really, really important here. What did he do? He went to him in the mountain of God and then he went to a cave. You ever been in a cave? I love caves. Where I grew up, I had a lot of gold mines and we would just go explore gold mines. And there's something about caves that it's just quiet. You can hear drips of water a long ways away. Very, very quiet. And God wants that for us. But most often, God whispers to us. I don't want to be too busy to hear it. It's like we want him to be the God of thunder, the God of the obvious and he can be, but he would rather be the God of the whisper, gentle and loving. And I believe that's the route that God prefers to take. Okay, your earthly father, was he a yeller or was he gentle power? And a lot of you grew up with yellers. I mean, we're, you were kind of scared of dad. Now, we, had, we weren't scared of my dad, but we respected my dad because there was a quiet power, right? There, there was a limit that we could push him past, and he never lost it on us. He disciplined us, right? But he wasn't the yeller type. He was the kind that if he whispered, you better listen. And I think that's what God wants from us. See, if you obey, your parents don't have to yell, students, right? They won't have to yell. If you disobey what they do or what they tell you, then they won't have to yell. So listen for the whisper of God as you read his word. If you listen for his whisper, he won't have to do anything drastic to get your attention. Wouldn't that be great if you could tell your kids, just, hey, Stan, yeah, they're just listening instead of like this. You ever have to smack them upside the head when they've got their head buried in their phone? Yeah, just don't let CPS catch you doing that, but it might be, it might be biblical, right? All right, the focus is so intense that they don't even hear or, or know what's going on around you. Um, it's like being a grandparent and having your granddaughter go crazy and you're in the room, but you don't see it. So you don't know what I'm talking about? Go to my Facebook, watch my video. Um, unbelievable, okay? I just saw the crash, and we're interested in the crashes, so we're gonna watch her crash, and I'm like, you shouldn't have been playing on the couch anyway because you know that's a no-no. Um, if you don't know anything about the story, it happened this Wednesday, I believe, and so we went back to look at the security footage of her crashing because we want to see, because she actually likes to see herself get hurt. It's really strange. She'll fall off and she'll be like, can we watch it? I'm like, so there's something there. Um, and, uh, and so when we go back and look at the footage, there's about... I'm going to say a minute 
of her watching us. Chris is cooking, Lauren's in the kitchen, I'm cleaning the, with the stove, the pellet stove out. And when I turn, we turn our backs, she starts jumping on the furniture, like jumping, like, and then she'll see us and then she'll stop. And it's, and I'm like, what in the world? I was like two feet from her. So I'm wanting to watch the end and there's a whole thing leading up to the end. Things that we didn't see, right? And so I had to post it. I'm like, this is too good to not post because it's, it's how we are with God. We think God's not looking and we're gonna jump, jump, jump. And he goes like, hey, God's not looking. Hey, everything's cool. All right, because eventually we crash. Eventually we fall off the couch. Eventually we, we get caught doing what we're doing. Elijah kind of gets caught whining here, but God doesn't hammer him for it. And he asks him the question again in 13, verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are, you, what are you doing here? And I believe that the first step to dealing with disappointment is answering this question, that is, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And that's what I want us to learn today is, is when you feel these emotions, you feel these things going on in your life, to just take some time and to say, okay, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Okay, and that's a healthy thing to do. And it might be somebody else's behavior. But are you going to let their behavior control your whole day? Are you let the, their behavior control um, your emotions? Because it's not saying that's not real, but how you deal with it is really important. So I believe that asking yourself that question in times of disappointment is the first step to getting over it. Like a, like a set of stairs, no matter how many stairs there are, you have to start on the first one to get up the stairs. There's always that first stop. So uh, later on in the book of Psalms, uh, King David would be in a cave. He would write many of his Psalms in a cave when somebody was chasing him, trying to kill him. He had these very, very dark moments. Uh, first, it's Elijah in this cave. And I will tell you this, that we need our caves. It's a good place to think. For some of you moms raising kids, okay, the bathroom is the only cave that you have, right? It just, it's, it's that time you turn the fan on, you're not doing nothing else. You're just in there going, I just need a break. You have no idea what your children are doing outside of the cave, but you need those cave experiences. Spouses, we have to learn to allow our spouses to be in the cave just to get that quiet time. And there's other times you need to put those children in the cave, right? It's like you stay there, you don't move until I tell you you move, right? And you're not getting your electronic device or whatever it is. The caves are important. They're a place to think. They're a place to recharge. They're a place just to to get our emotions into a, a manageable state so we can make it. A cave, a cave needs to be a quiet place, but it can also be a lonely place if you stay there too long. Okay, so there's got to be a balance. What did Jesus do when you look at his life? When he was around crowds all the time, he would get away to the mountains. So what does your cave look like? Your cave, it may be riding motorcycles, it might be fishing, it might be doing something that you just, whatever it is, it just fills you up. Okay, each of us have what we'll call a cave. It's something that just recharges you. My question for you is how good are you at doing that? If you're anything like me, sometimes we feel guilty for actually enjoying something. It's like, I'm having fun. I shouldn't be. I'm a Christian. Life should be a downer. I should be spiritual and not enjoy riding motorcycles or fishing or whatever it is that you'd like to do. Do you know that God wants you to enjoy life? That God gave you emotions of joy? That when you're going a little faster than you should be, because you're a little older than you were when you used to go fast, and you're like, if I get hurt now, it's, it's not just a day off work. It's like a week, okay? Because you get older, that's what happens. But please do stuff you enjoy. It's only good for you. It's only good for you. Pastor John, go skiing. That's an order. You have to tell him to go skiing. Actually, I do have to tell him to go skiing. He enjoys skiing. He puts his worship in and he just, that's his time. Okay, how important is that? It's vital, 
huge important that you go do something that you just enjoy doing that's going to just recharge you and refocus. So, as your pastor and master, you have permission to go enjoy yourself this week. Uh, the master part was a joke, all right? You're like, what? First time visitor, like, I was at a church like that before. Um, I don't want to be your master. Don't call me and ask me what kind of dishwasher you should buy. I don't care. Buy one that you like. Um, there's actually some churches that are like that. You ever heard of those? It's called shepherding churches, where the, the pastor makes decisions on all that kind of thing. That is the craziest thing. This is not that type of church, okay? You can ask me for opinions, but I'm going to be like, I don't know, what, what kind of, just buy one that works, right? What are, you, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? There's also value in a cave. So see if it's like a, if like it's a mine, all right? There's gold mines, silver mines, platinum. There's a lot of mines. It's only valuable if you, it's, it's taken out of the mine. So you go into a cave to, to glean something, to get something. So be a miner, okay? Go into the cave to get what you need and then come out with something valuable if at all possible, but you need the cave time. What are you doing here, Elijah? When you're facing temptation of any sort, ask yourself that same question. If you have a problem, and today is a huge problem, internet pornography is a huge problem, we address it here. Okay, if you find yourself going that direction, stop and say, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I doing? Ladies, if you're in a store and you don't have enough money, but you got a credit card, have your husband text you and, and find you on Life 360 and ask you, what are you doing there, right? What, do you do? what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Because that question is very important because you ask yourself, what am I doing here? You, you're thinking about the end result. What am I doing here and what's gonna be the result of this? Okay. What's gonna be the result of this? What are you doing here, Elijah? And if you're not dead, God's not done. Elijah felt alone, but he wasn't alone. Uh, verses 15 through 18, uh, we'll, we'll finish with this verse. It says, the Lord said to him, again, he's, he's like, I'm the only one left. They're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, okay, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus and he gets some orders. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha who would succeed him, son of Shaphat from Abel and Mahola to succeed you as prophet. In other words, God is saying, okay, Elijah, I see. Okay, you've done, you've done a good job. Okay, you do what I ask you to do. I need you to go get some things in order, and then I'm going to have you anoint Elisha to succeed you. And Elijah would mentor Elisha to be the next prophet. So there's this transition that's going on here. So God hears his voice, and, and, and he says, you know what? You've done good. I'm going to take you home. And Elisha actually got to see it. It's a pretty cool story. But then he says this in verse 18, yet, okay, here's your orders, and yet, you, you think you're by yourself, you're not. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Guys, there are more people in your situation than you think. You might feel lost and alone. You might feel like I'm the only one facing this. And God's going to say, no, 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 no. You're not the only one. There's a lot of people facing that. And I have a lot of people left. Elijah, you feel alone, but that's only with the limited information you have. Elijah, I know what you don't. I know what you don't. And today, I think God would say that to you today, family. God knows what you don't. He knows what's around the corner. He knows, he knows that he's got you. He knows that you can be an emotional wreck at times. And yet his grace is sufficient for you. He says, oh, you're emotional. I love you. Elijah was emotional too. Don't worry about it. You can talk to him when you get to heaven. You can go cry over your Beersheba up in heaven. He didn't get that. Good. Right? <laughs> Because where Elijah went, I, I, there was actually a joke I didn't tell, so that would have made no sense to you. Cut that out of the tape. Or leave it there and show them that I'm an imperfect pastor like other people. All right. 
so let's move on. <laughs> it was not near as funny as it was in my head. I was out loud. So what happened? I may not have read it. It says that Elijah went to Beersheba. It says, but it says beer, my Beersheba. The word beer is there and Sheba's in the second pair. So it looks like Elijah ran to his beer when he was having an emotional breakdown instead of Beersheba. Obviously not funny to the spiritual crowd. Um, you guys love Jesus too much for that to be funny. I, I get it. It's fine. I'll get saved after church. Um, <laughs> now that I just blew the sermon up, let's finish. Uh, all right. I reserved, <laughs> yeah, raise my hand right here. I reserved 7,000 in Israel, okay? All whose knees have not bound to bail. There's, there's more people going through stuff. Um, and I think he says that to give Elijah encouragement that you're not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. And Elijah, again, has this viewpoint because that's all he knew at the moment, okay? Which, again, is weird because he's a prophet, but God didn't reveal certain things to him. So I believe every disappointment we have is because things did not go the way we wanted them to go, okay, on every level. Many things are legitimate, but you can't stay there. You can't stay in that discouragement. Cave time is okay and necessary, but healing to every hurt has a starting place. And I think it starts with that question is, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And what do I need to do to get out of it? For me personally, sometimes I spend way too much time thinking over things I have absolutely no control over. I can't control it, and yet I worry about it a lot or, or concerned about it. And that's not really the way that God wants us to live. See, it's a waste of time if that's where I dwell. We see what's going on in our world. We don't understand, but I can't dwell there. Like, I, I can't, I can't spend too much time thinking over things that I have absolutely no control. I need to think about the things that I do have control over. My own emotions, okay? Again, they'll fly the plane for a while, but, but I have to take control over those things. So people that make it, how are you to make it today? People that make it don't spend much time dwelling on their disappointments. They don't. They deal with them, but they don't dwell there. The disappointments of other people, you can't dwell there because you can become distracted by your disappointments, and when you're distracted by your disappointments, you begin to focus on that distraction and then you eventually become disabled by it. Okay, they're, they're real, they're gonna happen. But God doesn't wanna be disabled by our, our uh, disappointments. So Elijah had to learn that he couldn't put his faith in other people's performance. He had to put the focus on his obedience. It wasn't really what the, the other people were doing disobeying. Elijah did his job. He, he said, guys, you need to stop it. You need to quit wavering between two opinions. He, he did his part. Their response to it was their responsibility, not his. Isn't that good? So our, our job sometimes is just to present the facts and wherever the facts fall, the people will be accountable to what they do with it. Today, you're accountable. Okay, I'm accountable to preach God's word, but you're accountable to do something with it. And once I release it to you, then it's on you. I'm gonna stand before God and God's gonna say, did you preach all the truth? Not just the fluffy parts, but the parts that were hard. And I have to do my best to say, God, I did. And God's gonna be like, it made some people mad, didn't it? I was like, oh yeah. He said, I guess, okay. You did what I asked you to do. Obedience isn't always easy. I gotta say, it's rarely easy. It's rarely easy. It's not always easy to obey the speed limit, right? We all wanna go 56. Right, you got the digital one now. Okay, we all have that little thing of getting away with a little buffer. It's, it's just human nature. But we got to control that. All right, well, I preached last time that I did first service. Are you good with that? Good, okay. If you said amen, you can leave. If you didn't, you got to stay for the second round. Right, you know how I work. 
Amen. Well, I want you to leave smiling today, uh, but I also want you to leave a knowing Jesus. And I know most of you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. Why is Christmas so important? Well, Christ, you know, the beauty of Christmas is the reality of hell. That was a sermon I preached last Christmas time, and you're like, that's not a very Christmassy message. And I'm like, it's absolutely a Christmassy message. The beauty of Christmas is the reality of hell. Jesus came to save us from hell. Heaven and hell, they're real places, and you get to choose where you go. And if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, heaven's your home. But if you haven't, you need to make that decision in order to go to heaven. You can't just hope you get there. So if you would bow your heads with me, I have that question to ask you is, if you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, you've never done that, but you want to. I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. What I'm asking you to do is get forgiven. I'm asking you to accept the, what Jesus did on the cross for us. And salvation is free for you. That's amazing. All we have to do is confess our sins and ask him to forgive us. And it's a free thing. And if you need to make that decision today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, or maybe you've ran from God and you're so far away, you just need to come home. I'm going to ask you to be bold and brave and just lift your hand up where you're at if you need to, to commit your life to Jesus Christ. He will forgive you. He will come into your life. He will give you purpose and meaning. Amen. He'll fill that void that if you've never accepted him, there's a void in your heart. Something's missing. Well, it's that God void. He made it for himself. Is there anybody that needs to make that decision at all? All right, all right, don't see any hands. If you're online and you need to make the decision, it's a simple prayer. It's a prayer of just saying, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. It's that easy, amen. Second thing I wanna do is pray for you today. If, are you feeling it? A little discouraged? I just be honest with me here. Like, just, yeah, okay, there's hands. I wanna pray with you. Lord, I thank you for these hands that were raised and I hope today, Father, I believe this message you put on my heart to help people who are just going through some stuff and just feelings that they didn't even want to feel, but emotions tend to fly the plane. And I just ask God that you would give them the strength and the hope and the encouragement to know that you're there with them. Lord, Elijah felt alone, but he wasn't alone. He was about to join up with some other believers, and I thank you so much for that, that we're not alone in what we're facing. Now, help us to answer that question, why am I here? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? What can I do to get out of it? And we just love you and give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, because I preached short, Pastor Joan, would you lead us in a final song?